Wow, so just clean people's pools and that's how you move up in the world. That's what I'm learning. That's the key takeaway. Those are the first bits of facts yeah. that I'm looking to share is yeah, yeah. be a pool boy. And once you're a pool boy, you can later become a computer boy. Yeah, and like, if you don't get any computer opportunities, you have a pool. You know, you can hang out at. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, everybody likes a pool. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Do Better Dev Show. Your two lovely hosts here. Uh, my name is Ganesh Mishra, and I'm here with Nathan Callan. Hello. Yeah, so today um, on the episode, we thought we would talk about side personal projects. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Nathan already loves this. Loves I mean, this yeah, topic. I'm excited about this episode and also still giggling about pre-show banter. Pre-show banter, yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll throw that as bloopers for our listeners at the end. They really just want to waste their time. Yeah, but yeah, before we actually get dive into the topic, we actually started we started doing a little start of the segment, start of the show segment. Wow, I can't talk. Uh, so Nathan, would you like to take it away? Yeah, sure. So something that we were thinking we'd discuss early on in each episode, at least give it a shot, uh, is something that we really found interesting or enjoyed from the past week. And so I'll kick it off with something that I'm always a big fan of, but came up last week, which is custom React hooks. So we have this problem at work where our UIs are always, we always forget to update the pagination logic to include return to page one when the query parameters search. So there's pretty much always a ticket for introduce the feature followed by a bug report of the search doesn't work properly. And then we implement the fix and then move on. But we have a bottleneck right now that slowed down our process a little bit, which meant that the devs had a bit of time on their hands and it allowed me to put a bit of time into making a custom hook. So I wrote a couple hooks, split them up so that there was one for implementing all the business logic and then another hook for wrapping around that hook and pushing everything up to the URL. So essentially components that don't want to interact with the URL directly, consuming pro, uh, query params from there and writing can just still use the business logic so that the search works properly. Uh, but at the same time, if we want components that are supposed to use the URL, they can use this other hook and they all use the same business logic. So if that logic changes, then it'll change for both of them. So hopefully I've used it in one place just to make sure that it was working the way I think it's working. But uh, while I'm away, because this is my week off again, we are, are, they're trying to add it to some places that they have bug reports for. So I'll find out when I get back if the hook is solving our problems. And hopefully that means we won't have to keep on having the same issue resurface over and over again. But generally, yeah, just shout out to custom React hooks because React hooks are great and custom ones, as long as you don't abuse them and use them too much, they're super powerful, super rad, you could say. Wow, yeah. I would say, I'm gonna say that from now on. Good. I actually stopped myself from saying it and then realized why would I stop myself? Just cause Gan made fun no. of me. I'm still gonna roll with it. <laughs> yeah, no, if you if you let anything stop you after I made fun of you for it. You know, I would do nothing. Exactly. and. I guess I just like describe myself as kind of a dick on the show, but that's okay. You know what? It happens. The truth has to get out eventually. Yeah, yeah. And you know, maybe you go back and they're like, hey, this has improved our efficiency so much. Here's a big $20,000 bonus. Whoa, that'd be um, sweet. Yeah. Best or hook ever. Be like, Nathan, we have to have a talk. The code base is garbage now. And yeah, this somehow polluted the entire thing. We used it in one component. The app crashes everywhere. We had downtime across the board, even in projects that you didn't contribute to. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. anything, it just broke something at the dender level in JavaScript and everything's just inherited from that. So. Yeah. What about you? Did you uh, have anything to bring to the table for this segment? Yeah, yeah, I actually, um, I, I've been, as you know, have been experimenting a lot with like static site generators and templates. Yep and just playing around with it, seeing how I feel, seeing how they work. And I, I previously have been using Gatsby for the Do Better Dev site. 
Uh, and then for my personal side, I actually tested out Hugo, mm -hmm. um, and I'm really, really enjoying it. Okay, last week uh, chatted, which was about Hugo, was not that long ago, and you were questioning it. Yes, I was, because the team I was using was not well built, and since it was a big site, I didn't have time or patience to go through and figure out where it's breaking, so I switched to a different theme, and... One, I picked a very light, lighter theme uh, just so I can actually actually get into it and figure out everything that's been going wrong. And it reminded me of the good old Jinja templating syntax that I was first introduced to in Python. Uh, here's a HTML file with a partial templating and you can provide data to it through one, one of the data injector ways and it just works. And it's been great uh, because I'm used to that pattern. I don't feel like a terrible front-end dev anymore. And God, it's fast. You know how much I love Go's efficiency and performance. And it, it, the build process after using Gatsby for so long and dealing with Node and packages and everything, Hugo is a single binary. It comes in, it spits out HTML, and it leaves. And it's great. On the other hand, I, I am left with vanilla JavaScript and HTML scripts. Um, instead of having more dynamic abilities like with, I did with, with React on Gatsby, but it's not a deal breaker. It's a static basic site, and it's just it's been really cool. I I've been really enjoying it so far. Maybe next week I'll hate it again, but for this week it's really good. Right on. Did you ever use handlebars back in the day, or any of those other template languages? Are we talking mustaches now? Yes. I, I tried to grow one, but no, it didn't work out very well. Uh, but no, I, I have not. Uh, the only other templating engine I sort of looked at was uh, Jekyll, uh, but I'm not a fan of Ruby, so I immediately discarded it. Yeah. Didn't even run a templating project immediately. Yeah, it's been a few years since I used Hugo at all, but I had come straight from using a little bit of handlebars. And so I just remember those being, at least at the time, with my limited knowledge of both, uh, were, they were somewhat similar, where it was easy to template out quite a bit of HTML, but not necessarily do the kind of dynamic stuff you get with something like a React component, for example. Does that sound accurate? Yeah, Okay. very much, yeah. And I'm almost entirely sure that if I really wanted, since you could inject JavaScript anywhere in there you want, I could just put in a CDN to I don't know, one of the other better JavaScript libraries and use Axios and such to make any calls I need because really at the end of it, it's just data fetching and management. Uh, and since this is not an enterprise admin level app or anything, uh, it, it'll work quite well. I'm still gonna build a 404 page that fetches a dad joke dynamically. I just, it's not as clean as the do better dev show. Yeah, well, some features are non-negotiable. They, they are. They really are. It's part of the core requirements. Do you have a recommended dad joke API that you're going to share with the, the listeners or what? I think it was like I can has dad or something. I'd uh, have to look through the code. I can link it in the that, show notes. Yeah, it sounds appropriate. I didn't know that there was yeah. also an API associated with it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You, you hit it and it's just a get request and it gives you back a JSON with the joke in it. Very nice. And it's great. Cool. Yeah, or or you hit it without the JSON header and it gives you back just the joke in plain TXT. So don't even need to format data or find out any keys. Easy money. Easy money, yeah. I guess I should put some error handling in case their APIs ever down. But why would an API that's so great will happen again? <laughs> so I don't need to worry about it. Also, it's yeah. on my 404 page. So you know what? If it breaks, that's okay. You're already on a broken page. Yeah. You'll just accidentally inject some TXT that's actually malicious JavaScript, and who cares? I'll put a safe HTML or something oh, okay. in there. Yeah, yeah. Please don't put a dad joke with drop table. Uh, it's not going to matter because there's no package. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, we'll do anything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was, the, that was the cool thing I noticed this week, and yeah. Hoping, hoping it continues being cool. Right on. I'll save the other stuff I've been thinking about for the end segment.
Sounds great. Becoming the segment show, which I appreciate. <laughs> All right. So shall I kick off the next part or? Of course. Okay. You, you can kick off everything and anything and I will be greatly appreciative. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we're talking about side projects. So both of us have, I guess mine's less so because it was related to work, um, but kind of felt like a side project within uh, my day to day. Uh, we obviously have side projects that we're doing and we talk about them each week. And there's a lot of questions um, about whether you should do side projects at all, whether they're worth your time, what should you do if you're gonna do side projects? Is it okay to do side projects for free? Should they be open source? Should they not be? Tons of stuff to consider, and we're going to get to the bottom of all of those 100% facts today within an hour. <laughs> yeah, just just straight up objective facts that are subjective to us. Correct. Yes. yes. As long as you have a strongly held opinion, it's basically a fact. 100%, it is. And I have strong opinions that, weakly held, so uh, I'm counting on you for the facts on this one. Okay. Uh, but I was thinking what we could do is kick off with some of the things that we are currently doing or have done recently and then transition into some advice that we have for the people. But starting with some examples probably makes sense. So yeah. I'm actually going to completely reverse what I just said. Instead of going from stuff I'm currently doing, because that'll spoil things for later, I'm going to go with the first things I did. So right out of school... I'll go from there as opposed to pointless stuff I was doing while in school. Uh, I started working with a um, contractor in the area that I was living at the time, which was London, Ontario. And they needed somebody to maintain their website because basically their website was terrible and they were embarrassed to send people to it and it was down half the time. So they found out that I knew how to do something on the computer and they said, do you want to do our website? And I said, okay, cool. And so then over the course of the next year or so, working with them, paid off my student loans while I was working a regular job, trying to pay rent and food and all those other things. And to this day, I have a very positive association with them because they basically just said, we'll give you money to make our business look more professional. And I just had to do that. So, uh, if you get an opportunity like that early on and you're, con you're pretty sh confident that you won't be terrible, just take it. And the nice thing about an opportunity like that too is if you are going to be terrible, you can charge them very little up front and then their expectations are very low and you just have to surpass those low expectations. Uh, and so yeah, that's essentially how I got started was just realizing I was very desperate because I couldn't really afford anything and I also wanted some experience. So I put both those together. And it was really just happenstance that I met this person. They were getting, I worked at a pool company at the time and they need, were getting their, uh, uh, their water samples tested. And they just were talking to me about what I went to school for and what I was up to and uh, realized I could do stuff for the website. So yeah, it was really just trying to find an opportunity when it was there and picking up and that was my first side project. Wow, so just clean people's pools and that's how you move up in the world. That's what I'm learning. That's the key takeaway. Those are the first bits of facts yeah. that I'm looking to share is yeah, yeah. be a pool boy. And once you're a pool boy, you can later become a computer boy. Yeah, and like if you don't get any computer opportunities, you have a pool. You know, you can hang out in. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, everybody likes a pool except for the owner. And you're the person that owns it, sort of. You take care of it. Yeah, that's true. Primary care provider of that pool. Wow. Okay. All right. And then, all right, so are you, are you going to go list all of the side projects first or are we doing like one-off? One no, one? you got to go next because I feel like I've been talking okay. too much. Okay. Nathan, you can never talk too it's much. It's actually, I, I get conscious about this when I'm talking and then I go back and look at the uh, the sound waves when I'm editing the episode and I'm like, is it about 50, 50? Am I dominating this conversation? <laughs> the last one was very balanced and I felt good about it, but I've been mm, concerned before okay. where I'm like, am I 90% of this? 
So. No, no. You know how much I love attention. So if you are I hate it. taking up all the spotlight, I will barge in. So. Great. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So don't, don't ever feel conscious about it. You're doing great. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's a... See, having a first side project that pays is such a such a unheard thing of it's very lucky like when you mentioned that i started thinking i was like what are my side projects that i've done that like paid me and like i can't remember anything uh even my first job actually my technically my second job didn't pay me as much yeah uh so i'll i should step in actually and clarify so like the first thing i did was they just gave me 200 bucks and they're like show me what you can do with this and i put tens of hours into that first 200 bucks just because i was like i want to make it I want to show them something that's actually deliverable. And I'm pretty sure at that point it was still just a, like a single really nice landing page. Cause they barely had that. They essentially had a form. They would just show, you just land on their thing. It was like a contact form and it was really ugly and, and bad. Um, but just del over delivering on that first little bit gave me the chance to six months later, get quite a bit more for my time. So yes, there was some money involved, but at least initially it was very, uh, very small amounts. And then it, it built up from there. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of freelancers, um, start off by actually doing work for free, uh, to get that recognition and, um, their, their name. Uh, I, 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 am. I, I don't think I've ever done any side projects really for money, mostly because nobody offered me any. Uh, I started off by, once I was in college, uh, started off just like basically charging people to fix their computers uh, and make sure things are working. My clientele was mostly older people. Uh, and actually the first um, sort of side project that I did get paid for was revamping a website. Wow. Um, now that I'm thinking about it, uh, it was completely if, so the way I would put it is once I was done with it, at that time I was very proud. Now, now I would say it's probably like a two out of 10, mm -hmm. but that's because when I picked that website up, that was like a negative five out of 10. It was so bad um, that I still feel sort of okay about building it the way I did and improving it. But yeah, it was a website in invested way too many time too much hours into it i was a first year computer science student and i just i was like okay i know how to html so you know what i can do i'm gonna charge people for this this is a skill now <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> but i invested way too many hours into that website for i think it was a flat 150 dollars uh plus three swimming lessons uh from the guy i built it for yeah yeah, yeah. it was great and some, somewhere around that. And yeah, that was my first project. It was a basic HTML, CSS website. Um, no JavaScript whatsoever. There was some element of a PHP form, mostly because that's what they taught us in school. And yeah, you could submit and then it automatically sent him an email. Maybe that's where my DevOps journey really started, that, that mindset. I was about to say the mindset began. The mindset began, I was like, what if, Instead of saving it to a text file, it just automatically sent an email. It's like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, if, if we're listing one on one by one, that, that's the one I will, uh, that's, that was my first official side project, I'd say. Okay. Yeah, after that was far less getting paid. And I realized that what I needed to work on was, or what I was looking at was what could I realistically get paid to do full time. And I figured that with my existing interests at the time, language proficiency, which was just JavaScript really. And uh, the fact that I was building a website for, a, for a, a company, I should probably just try to get better at front end and then try to get a entry level role as a front end person. So the next set of side projects I did were really all around building what I kind of thought of as website templates. So they just had a bunch of lorem ipsum and uh, stock images and things, but it was focused on responsive design. And so I was trying to learn the basics at least of how to write 
at that time I think it was still mostly vanilla and then at the near the end of that year or so of doing a lot of those I started working with the CSS preprocessors but it was a lot of vanilla CSS and just getting a getting comfortable with things like breakpoints and when's a reasonable place to start collapsing things. How, how can I do something in a mobile first way that doesn't look absolutely horrendous and empty and boring on a desktop experience. And that I was probably better at CSS at that time than I am now. And that was a good three or four years ago. Uh, so that was probably my peak <laughs> of CSS ability and that was right before I got my first job where I moved out here. So I spent some time doing that and it was also, I guess at that time I still had a so-called like portfolio site where I just built little, you mentioned I think last time calculators, uh, building those in different languages. So I built a couple of different calculators and I think I just went on mostly free code camp and looked at their example projects because I had no idea what to build. And then yeah. all I needed was a suggestion where they're like, build a Simon Says game. And I went, or not Simon Says? Yeah, uh, where you basically does like the like blue, yellow. You're like, oh yeah, hit blue, yellow. And it's like blue, yellow, green. Hit that. I'm pretty sure it's called Simon Says. Um, and, sure. Yeah. I yeah, uh, nothing's coming to me, so I'm gonna just agree with you there. Sure. Uh, seems seems like Simon does. Yeah. If that's a game. That yeah, I don't, says, yeah. So I don't know if I'm right with that, but that's. Then you're supposed to follow an action when Simon says happens. Right. So yeah, whatever that game is called, they had some suggestions like that, building a tic-tac-toe board. So I essentially just had those micro projects along with some responsive design sites and sort of put that together and was like, I can do some stuff with JavaScript because here's some things that have logic and I can do some stuff with design. Here's some templates that are responsive. Uh, please let me work as opposed to cleaning pools and such. Uh, and so that was the goal and it worked out, but that was the next stage for me. Wow. So did they, did they want to hire you to make more calendar like calculators? No, I was actually mostly brought on to automate a bunch of internal processes with Node. Whoa. And then our Ruby on Rails guy left. So I became the Ruby on Rails person for a year and a half. I'm so sorry. Well, it was a lot better than AngularJS, which was the, the, the main true. part of the stack I was responsible for once they ran out of internal automation tasks for me to do. Mm. Everything's relative, isn't it? Well, especially one of the first tasks I was given was a time zone converter. And I did not want to manage times because mm -hmm. you had to have time zone ranges and then transition them to other time zone ranges that could automatically be dumped into our API. It was a mess. It was very difficult. Was there no library for this? That was, How, that was, is this early 90s? No. How far away have we gone? No, it was, it was just there was all this like custom shapes of the inputs that needed to be processed. And I was like, okay. So I tried to use Moment as much as I could, but it didn't save me completely. So mm. point is, uh, those are my side projects. <laughs> ah, well, okay. And then I guess since that, okay. The, the latest one I'm excited for you to talk about, um, if, if I think it is what you've been talking to me about for the past couple of days. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, so yeah, after that, same similar patterns, uh, mostly just um, build little applications uh, to test out, learn different language quirks, um, understand and expand my capabilities. I was really into Android by the end of my uh, two-year diploma, and so I, I just built apps. I built little apps to do random things. Um, what was it? One of them I built where it, I was building it sort of for a college project, but it was really just, I continued working on it after I graduated was there's this app and then what it'll tell you, it, it was sort of a community driven app where if you have it, you are biking on your path. You're like, Oh no, this road or patch has ice on it. You can go report it on the app so that the next person who goes out on their commute can look at it and be like, Oh no, I should take a different path. Um, thought it was really valuable, never made it to the Play Store. 
just like every every single one of my side projects. Uh, then yeah, then the one I'm actually really happy with, uh, and behind each one of these side projects, I'll touch on those as I talk about them. Is not only was that to learn the intricacies of the language, every one of them had a little purpose of the thing I wanted to learn. So with this one, I learned how to talk to an API, convert and decode JSON, how HTTP responses work on a mobile apps perspective, uh, what is too big, what is too small, and understanding the model, like client model, having a server model to make sure data matches, and Google Maps, that was the biggest thing that I wanted to learn and understand how they work. Uh, what are they? And it's just A star. So it's just really good A star. It's just really good A star. That's precisely what it was, I guess. I hope. Uh, <laughs> it was free at the time when I was using it. Google Maps charges money for their SDKs now. Uh, but yeah, it was base a basic map, and I would have these points of Latin long, and then I would display them on the phone. And I was just trying to figure out what's the most efficient way of making Google Maps appear, how I can transition between screens cleanly and such. Because I was, surprise, surprise, not good at Fernando and Mobile either. Um, <laughs> you look so proud. I, I, I've just learned to own it. I used to feel such a, like imposter syndrome on it for the longest time. And now I'm just like, you know what? No, I don't. I'm not good at it. I, I can make it. I can make it work. But it is not my preferred. I don't even enjoy it. But I can do it. And I'm, that's why I'm probably bad at it. And that's okay. Um, but yeah, that was the one. And then the one I really enjoyed was uh, I went to this hackathon that one of my previous employers hosted. It was called a shitty hackathon. I was hoping and you were going to bring this up. I was, if you didn't mention it, I was going to prompt you and be like, didn't you tell me about one? No, it's, it's my proudest Android app. So I, I had to, it's an, even in my notes, like talk about this Good. one for sure. Uh, and so the, the point of the hackathon was building things nobody will use. And so I built this app where the higher you threw your phone up, uh, the louder it will scream. And in my initial user testing, I understood that some people may not be able to catch their phone back and that leads to breaking of phones, which was bad according to my client customer base. Uh, so what I did was I switched out the code so that when you shake the phone, uh, the harder you shake and the longer you can maintain it, it recorded the seconds, the phone kept continually screaming at you. And you could compare it with your friends. Be like, I held it for this many time, and the, there was a little multiplier of points for like the the longer you could hold and such. And the reason I did that was because I wanted to learn how the accelerometer, how the geometer, the GPS and such works on the phone, how it understands when you shake. When now phones have squeeze sensitivity and such too, which is again just crazy to me, but. Uh, at the time, yeah, just seeing how it sees elevation and how it understands accelerometer shaking was the lesson I took from it. And I, yeah, it was pretty great. I, think I called it shake and scream. It's so funny. Uh, yeah, the first time you told me, I just, I just died. It actually got me really inspired. I was like, I need to come up with bad ideas so like I can build them because that's, that's a, such a great story you could tell people. Yeah, the, the backstory behind the my idea for it is a little dark, so I'm not going to put it on the podcast. Cool, good. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's appropriate to share, share with public, but um, but yeah, I, I think I told you. Uh, if, I, if I didn't remind me, and I'll DM you. After. All right. So, yeah, I'll, I'm saving the current thing I'm doing for the end of the show, but some things I've done since the templates was learn new Haskell for a great good, which I mentioned a few times, working through that and applying it to JavaScript. I made this little project called Propject, I believe. I'm doing this off memory. It was about trying to figure out if I could write something that could apply uh, code annotations that you could use for property-based testing that would be automated. So you could essentially say like, I have this function, and then you could have an annotation that you provide another function to, to say like this creates an, uh, a um, isomorphism. And then it would automatically generate a test to make sure that they're actually isomorphic. Um, doing things like that. 
Uh, and I think that was one of those, like, looked at it for a weekend, was like, hypothetically, this would work, but it's a pain. And thinking of property properties to test is also a pain. So I don't think I'll actually take this anywhere. But it was still good to play with. Quite a bit later, I worked on some basic language compilers. So when I found out that there is a standard that you can format, or a standard JSON object that you can convert a language to, and as long as you convert that language into that, you can pass it into the Babel um, parser, and it will spit out JavaScript. So I was like, cool. If I can then have my input language run that through a tokenizer and a parser and everything, spit out a JavaScript object, and then pass it to Babel, it'll give me JavaScript. That's pretty cool. So I messed with that for a little bit. And again, I didn't take it very far. I really just took it far enough to learn the basics of what it means to tokenize something, how you can parse a language. And I looked through the, for example, the Python spec and how it uses um, a stack for scope based on the fact that it has significant white space and that it quite literally uses the syntactic indentation to determine what scope it's in. I was like, oh, that's, that's way different than something that uses block scoping. We can throw everything on one line if you want and it'll still be, still be the same like with curly braces. So that taught me some stuff there. And I've just had some random people reach out with help on like automating API interactions and things for their business. So uh, that's helped pay for rent and what have you. Uh, well, while making my way in a expensive area to live where I probably should have been sharing my rent instead of living alone, but it all worked out. Yeah, told you there was a space on top where you can stay and rent out the actual area in your bachelor's. Suite. Yeah, yeah, I can't see myself right now, but yeah, right up above me, there is a, yeah, there's yeah. like a little loft. And the first thing they told me when I moved in was you can't throw a mattress up there, but Nobody's come to check in four years, so. Yeah, and rules are meant to be broken. Like bowls. And pinatas, and glow sticks, and eggs. Okay, we're very distracting. Yeah, this is quite the episode. Um, <laughs> so those are the, the basics of examples that I had written down for mine. And my hope is that if someone's listening to this in a situation I was in at that time where I was going through and coming up with these is I don't know what to do. What are some things that people think of to do? And you now have everything from shaking a phone and seeing how long it will scream to CSS templates to really bad language compilers. So there's so many options and it really doesn't matter what you do, which is my first piece of advice from my list of pieces of advice. Uh, it doesn't matter what you do, so don't worry about it. If, if you're afraid to get started because you want to come up with something perfect, it's not going to be great, and it doesn't have to be great. And if it's accidentally great, that's perfect. But chances are it won't be. You probably won't invent the next battle or something. So just do something you're interested in or curious about, and try to make it easy to get started because that's the most important thing. Yeah, I'm just waiting for somebody to invent the next Babel, come back to the episode on YouTube and comment underneath being like, I did it because you said I could This aged like milk. <laughs> like, thanks, commenter. <laughs> I've never heard that. No? This aged like Cool. Yeah. Uh, Clearly, you don't follow as many current event things or Joe Rogan episodes <laughs> as, as I do. Uh, the comment section's uh, a great place to go for those sorts of things. Mm. Uh, do you have any no, I, any first pieces of advice for the folks? Uh, I, that that was what actually was on my top one too. It does not matter. It's such a such a no pressure thing to work on uh, when you don't have to worry about. I don't know, and it, it going wrong. Like, there's nothing that could go wrong for a thing that nobody knows about. Um, alternatively, though, uh, that leads into my other point and or thing I thought I'd pose to you as a question is, man, if it doesn't matter, where do I bring the motivation? Why would I even work on it? 
Yeah. Just to prove Nathan wrong. I mean, that's good enough motivation, but it's not going to last. You'd be surprised at things people will do just to prove me wrong. (laughs) Uh, But realistically, if you aren't motivated enough to start on a side project because you realize it doesn't matter, then side projects probably aren't something for you. And you should just try to learn as much as you can related to your job because if you don't, you will fall behind or you'll fall out of love with software development. It's pretty consistent. If people aren't, from what I've seen, if people aren't curious and doing side project stuff on their own, then they're probably not going to stick with software development all that much longer because something that got them into it isn't keeping them interested. Or something I've, I've found for myself is when I'm early at a job and I'm getting up to speed, I'm learning a lot at the job, I'm learning about the specifics of the business and their stack and their code base. I'm not that interested in doing side project stuff because I'm learning a lot day to day. It's when things at work sort of slow down. I'm no longer thinking all that much about the new and interesting parts of my job. And I'm thinking about the interesting 10% of my job, uh, as opposed to 100% of it being brand new. Then that's when I'll start thinking, oh, you know, WebAssembly looks cool, or maybe I should finally write something in Clojure. And those kinds of things aren't crossing my mind when I'm thinking, why does the app not build on my machine? What is going on? Uh, because if that's your day-to-day, by the time you're done for work, you are done work for the day, you probably just want to go outside. But yep. when things become sort of typical day-to-day and you don't really have to worry that much about whether or not it's going to be a big question mark the entire day, then I feel like that's when you'll know whether or not side projects are for you. And if they're not, I think you might just make yourself less interested in software development if you force yourself through it, but seriously question why you're in it if you're not that curious about other things. Yeah, no, true. Uh, another another way when I look at sometimes for a side project is it might not necessarily even be a separate app, right? Like your side project could be building a Hello World app that you're learning or falling alongside on something on Udemy or Coursera or whatever. Uh, side project doesn't necessarily have to be a product or something that's consumable or used. It's a piece of code or lines of code you wrote to understand or understand a concept basically so that you feel good about doing that in the life field or you just now know that you can do it and that's good enough and there you go that's the yeah i feel like that that's sort of the clarification i would like to make because mm-hmm. for some people it is that oh my god i don't have a github repo of this giant thing uh so it doesn't feel like i do things on my own where they might be just writing little repls all the time yeah no, that's a really good point I, if I include those things, then I've spent quite a bit of time doing something like questioning my knowledge of when I was first learning promises in JavaScript and just going through and making predictions about what happens if I run this code and just trying to think of the weird edge cases. And that's how it got to the point where when there was some sort of asynchronous bug or a closure-related asynchronous bug in production code, it was fairly likely that I'd be the one that would figure it out on the team because I'd already done those things on my own. And doing those things, or those were the things I was doing because I wanted to know. It wasn't like I felt, oh, I need to prove other people wrong or something. I just went, it'd be really nice for me to properly understand the ins and outs of promises. They've got all these different syntax. There's all these different ways to use them. They have these different behaviors. At the time I was like, they have a thing called finally? What is that for? Uh, so there's a lot of a lot of these things that come up as questions, and I just like to know the answers to questions when I have them. And I didn't have the answers, so I tried to get them. Definitely. I mean, that's the core of everything we talk about or write on Do Better is it's it has to be intrinsic internal motivation or you're not going to do anything. That's just sort of a core principle that applies to everything, including side projects, because you will need a lot of motivation to either bring it to a closure or just feeling like, okay, I'm done with this. Mm-hmm. I've gotten everything I wanted out of it. Yeah, and related to that, something that I've found, at least for myself, is 
if I can find something I want to learn versus something, or sorry, something I want to do versus something I want to learn, if it's related to a technology. So like with promises, it was I wanted to understand them. That's one thing, it's very small in scope. You can just focus on it for a week or so and just play around with them and you're good to go. But I'm thinking of something like, I want to teach a machine learning model how to play Mario versus I want to learn machine learning. The I want to learn machine learning is has always been to me a dead end or I want to learn about CICD, always a dead end. And anytime I've had a goal in mind, that's when I've actually stuck with something and had, because those are the things I can then break down into smaller pieces as opposed yeah. to having the learning be the goal and then I'm looking for ways to learn that via like other people's project ideas, which are just harder to stay motivated for. Uh, so if my, my aim with that piece is that if you're also in a situation of thinking, I want to learn Go, for example, but you also want to learn how to build a REST API because you've never made one, maybe don't try to do all of it at once. Maybe learn what a REST API is first in a language you already know, or if the concept makes sense to you, then pick a language that has good support. So if you can find good documentation on how to build a REST API in Go, go for it, but don't be like, I found some good ones in Go and Python and Ruby, but you know what would be cool is I wanna make this in Lisp or Scheme, and I can't find any docs on it, but I'm just gonna do it. And it's like, well, you've made this so much harder for yourself if you really just wanna learn how to make a REST API, but also learn Lisp. Uh, pick something that's appropriate for that domain. Uh, you know, don't try to code games in some arbitrary language you found on HackerRank and just be like, or Hacker News, sorry, and just be like, oh, this is the new hotness. I'm going to make a game. I've never made a game, never used this language, but I'm going to do it. It's like probably just stick with the things that everybody else has documented for you because you're going to have a lot of questions and if the questions are really hard to ask and get answers to, then you've made it so much more difficult. Mm, yeah, maybe that's why Half-Life 3 never came out. You know, maybe the devs are using Elixir or something. Erlang. Yeah, I, yeah. Know, I know that you just want to blame everything on functional programming and Lisps. So yes. we'll go with that. Yes, I that's do. why. We're, we're going, that's our version <laughs> of history. It's a fact now. True. Yeah, that's all we speak yeah. in this episode. Just factual statements. Um, yeah, actually, while you were talking about that, it reminded me of like another uh, sort of side project, but not really. Uh, was you like having your own little idea is great. Going on internet and finding uh, what to build as ideas is also a great, excellent starting point. Um, another thing you can do is find a project that's like sort of half built and improve upon it or build on it thanks to open source code. There's tons of repositories. You can probably go around and find a to-do list that somebody already built in React. And maybe you just wanna learn how to make it mobile friendly. You already have an app that's completely made for you. And now you can play around with CSS, breakpoints, understand how it'll resize on different screens. Uh, the reason I remembered that was because I took this repository that sort of generated random workouts and Nathan knows what I'm talking about. It was, um, I, I took this, I converted it to a Slack app and I containerized it because I wanted to play around with Docker on uh, Python and I wanted to see how much I can go around the restrictions that certain Docker images have. Um, and I just wanted, I just thought this idea was really cool. So I incorporated this in our company Slack so that I can understand how Slack bots work and how you can interact with them. And it was just a random workout generator. You would trigger it and then we would get random random workouts. I was going to say, yeah, slow claps are the best. <laughs> it was the best thing about that job. Uh, yeah, yeah. Every Friday, randomly a bot will assign you some slow claps and then you stand up and slow The claps. most enthusiastic I've been about anything in my life <laughs> is, and that's is that workout bot. Yeah, fact. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, it's it's coming at a Slackbot store near you once I get some donations. It's really prepared. At this point, I'm just waiting for somebody to like help me offset server costs so I can like put it up for free on the Slackbot store. So you're you're hoping to get funding ahead of time. Funding, yeah. It's ACU's funding. Money. I'm planning to raise seed money for about... Um, God, I don't know. The amount of requests it'll have to serve, maybe $50 a year would be good. Uh, but that's just Series A. Series B might be like 80 So I've, You heard it here first, folks. Gan needs, yeah, yeah, Gan needs some a, money to bring the Slackbot to life. Yeah, it's a great investment opportunity. Um, it's ad-free. It's stateless application. It's a microservice. You can brag about all those words. Uh-huh. Uh, if you invest in this blazing fast startup, yeah, <laughs> there's no, yeah. there's no, no result <laughs> if you invest. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You just invest. And startup, the, throw down, cash out. <laughs> exactly, and then you know you get back the satisfaction of going around saying, "Hey, I paid money to that guy for an idea that wasn't even his," and you know. That might give you some satisfaction in life. Maybe it's a huge hit with the ladies when you've done so many slow claps that your chest is now massive and you can like work out so much. Mm -hmm. You know? I'm just yeah, I'm just really hoping for it to, you know, pick up. Pick up Hockey stick growth. the moon. Hockey stick growth, yeah. Wow. Okay. That's that's a Canadian metaphor right there. Well no, no that well, I'm pretty sure that's just a standard thing in in startup culture. The idea of the growth is hockey stick. Yeah. Maybe maybe it is just a Canadian thing. Oh. Maybe. Before you know it, it's H-E double hockey sticks. And you're like, oh, man. What the? Uh, We're not allowed to swear on this show, even though I probably already swear. <laughs> uh. yeah, my, yeah. Do you have any other advices and tips on your list? I'm just looking at them now. I think I got through most of them. Use a pen and paper, Nathan. What is this? Two thousand and forty? Why are you using phone for taking notes? Because I'm a degenerate who's addicted to his phone. I'm actually not. Very much not addicted to my phone. <laughs> but uh, it might look like it right now. Oh, I right, just while had. While Nathan looks it up. Okay. I was just gonna say the last thing I had on my list here was uh, start with something that you'll actually do, as opposed to having some grand goal. So. Eliminating procrastination opportunities and not having something that's just far too big that you know will overwhelm you at some point and you won't actually make progress on it. So those are separate pieces of advice that kind of fit together. And the example I'll go with for avoiding procrastination opportunities was when I started the dev blog, I started it on WordPress for two months. And Gang was like, why would you do that? And I was like, well, because if I build the blog and I give myself the opportunity to build the blog, I will build instead of writing any content for the blog. So I was like, if I'm paying too much money for this to be hosted by WordPress, I am going to, one, be financially incentivized to actually do something with this blog. Otherwise, I'll feel like I really wasted my money. And there's nothing to do other than just punch content into WordPress and have it show up on my site. And so I did that for two months until I'd written a handful of posts and went, okay, I now have content. At this point, let's transition over to something hosted on AWS. So it cost me like a dollar a month instead of $40 a month. And now we're a lot better. And so, uh, yes, it was very expensive because I was using like WP Engine just because I wanted to Yep. I wanted to fully feel the pain if I didn't write anything. And uh, that was that was the goal, was avoid the opportunity to procrastinate, because I'd done that before, where I was like, I'm going to make a blog site. And then I end up just writing a bunch of templates for pages and what they could look like, and then I don't even put them up to GitHub or anything, and they just die on my machine when I replace it. So doing that is a problem. and. Having something, like I mentioned, that's just such an overwhelmingly huge project that you don't really know how to get started. Uh, something I've done a bunch of times is anything related to 
a project that requires setup that takes quite a bit of time. So the number of times I've manually configured Webpack and set up a bunch of prettier configs and uh, git ignore files and automatic linting on save, and then it just dies because I don't do anything with it. It's very pointless. So try to avoid those chances that you know you'll give yourself to just waste time in a productive way uh, and then not actually achieve what you were hoping to achieve with that project. This is why my npm run, run test command is just echo write tests exit one. That's, that's all that they are, you know, because I know if I start writing tests, I'm going to be so distracted and just no write tests. Well, I'm sure there's not a lot of logic in your app right now to really worry about. That's true. Yeah. So your test coverage just, is very high, actually, even with no tests. It's 100%. Some might say even more than that, but they, they might be, be wrong, wrong, but they might say yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, they're not, they're not, yeah. uh, numeric? No. I, there's a word for it. It's like literacy, but it's for numbers, and it's escaping me right now. Okay, but. cool. I don't either. Um, while you were mentioning procrastination, mm -hmm. feel like feel like I have to say this because I've been telling it to everybody, okay. and I think I've told you this as well. But it's like my favorite quote I read about procrastination, and it's plastered on my wall here. So I'm gonna look at it while I say it, so I don't mess it up. Which was procrastination is the arrogant assumption that the universe owes you another opportunity to do what you had time to do right it's good yeah it's like a slap in the face i look at it every day i'm like great do better again and then, then i do better oh good you know so it works yeah yeah it, it works 60 percent of the time it works 100 percent sweet of the time yeah yeah and, and then, yeah, the last advice point on my list was if you are still lacking all that motivation to find a side project, look things up online, uh, you don't really know where to start, but you still want to improve your development set, skill set and just do play around with these things is maybe look for opportunities and events in your community. Uh, in our local community on the West Coast in Victoria, we have an event called Battlesnake which is, I'm pretty sure, global at this point now. And you go in, you, if, if you've ever played the beloved snake game, you design your own little AI snake that goes and eats other snakes and food and grows, and it's all great. And you learn a lot of things. You learn HTTP requests, you learn APIs, you learn how to write a fast application, you learn tracing of paths. It's, can't, it can't really, like, describe how great of an idea it is, even though I don't participate in it because it's not a hackathon anymore. It's an actual event and, I, and nobody got time for that. But when it was a hackathon, I enjoyed it a lot. And there's other events where there's like opportunity for mentorship and such. And I have attended those both as a capacity as a mentee and mentor, uh, just so I can learn and improve my skill set. So if you're more of a person who is driven by other people and community around them, Look for those. There's almost always some of them happening. And if there's nothing local, it's tech. All you need is a laptop and internet and maybe some weird time zone. And you'll be able to attend one and grow and go from there. Yeah, I thought about attending Battlesnake, not this year, but the year before, because I was experimenting with a genetic algorithm. I was like, if I can get this trained so that it's not going to lose immediately, and it didn't because as far as I could tell, my algorithm just learned that there was a chance it would be the one that started furthest away from the wall. And so they would all just go straight. Uh, so the first versions would randomly turn and crash into themselves. But by generation 900 and something, they were like, as long as we just go straight. Uh, and so they never ran into themselves, but they would just crash straight into the wall. So it was a horrible failure. And I said, nope, not submitting that. But it encouraged me to learn a genetic algorithm, kind of, sort of, not really. Did you did you implement a star? No. Mm, that was the, that was the downfall. No, I, I literally just slammed a bunch of 
data into a model and was like, figure it out. Uh, I was hoping the weightings would just magically work through my various generations. And I had eight players all going with different models. And I was hoping like the ones that win would then be bred and create a new generation that would be better than the previous. And they were better than the previous. They didn't crash into themselves, like I said, but they learned a very stupid strategy. Uh, so it allowed them to survive ever so slightly longer. Mm. But they weren't very smart. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. So again, what are you gonna do this week to be better? And were you better about being a friend? I was, actually. I uh, watched a terrible movie with my friends over the weekend. Um, I ordered pizza for them, which they paid me back for, for the most part. Uh, but I've been a good friend about not bothering them about it. <laughs> uh, listen to this podcast, guys. Hint. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, that was that was pre-planned, so I guess I can't take much credit for it. But I, I texted a bit more friends from India, uh, telling them that they're great and I miss them. And then I texted some other friends. And yeah, it actually led to a very nice phone call with one of my friends, uh, just because they were like, oh, yeah, I miss you too. And I was like, cool, let's get on a phone call. And then we just did. Generally, I wait for weekends or try to schedule things and th they generally get out of hand because I don't know who's going to remember that by the weekend. Uh, so just, it worked better. I think, I think I did good. Nice. Yeah. How was, how was your last week's? Yeah. So <gasps> you, you totally didn't talk about your ultimate side project. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Sorry. I'm assuming that you're thinking about the same thing that I've been sending you screenshots of. We'll find out in a second. Uh, so as I mentioned in the last episode, I was working through the Structured Computer Organization book. And I was at, at chapter three, which is all about logic circuits, logic gates. Uh, and I just got, I, I read, so the previous week I read like 100 pages or something. This week I think I've read six. Um, but that's because I've been going through each schematic in the book and building them in Minecraft. So I built, on Thursday I built my first decoder which was a, a three to eight decoder. Then I plugged it into an encoder, which literally just took the output and spat out the input I put into the decoder. So a hardware-based isomorphism, kind of cool. I thought that was neat. These are also slow and, and huge. Uh, there are ALUs people have built that are smaller than the decoder I built, but that's okay because I'm basing them on schematics. I don't. I know very little about the intricacies of Minecraft redstone computers, so that's not the goal. But I built those two, and then on Sunday I think I built my first adder. So it was a three or a two-bit adder with a three-bit output. So you could add the the um, three plus three and get back the full six. And so the problem I did there, the mistake I made here, this was a great learning opportunity. And I'm really glad I started with two bits as opposed to anything larger than that. So to be clear, you could add two bits to another two bits. Um, but I started building the first full adder and it was all good to go. I had my fake like carry flag set up at the top so I could then just look at it and build another one right below it. But I wasn't thinking about the fact that these circuits now ran left to right, which meant that when I plugged it in to my inputs, the most significant bit was on the right instead of on the left. So I had to wire up all my inputs in verse, which was a huge pain, but I was going to do that versus try to flip everything so that the inputs were, or the most significant bit was on the left versus the right. So. Now, when I go to build something like a four bit adder, I will know ahead of time to think about the order of my inputs so that the most and least significant bits are in the right spots. Uh, but if I can take 
what I learned from that and the schematic, which is on one of the next pages I'm reading, then I might be able to build my first slice of an ALU, which will be most likely a one bit slice of an ALU because it's gonna be enormous because my designs are not great. But if I can do that, I think that would be pretty cool. And I'm having a great time with it. I enjoy having something else to do related to somewhat software development that is also kind of like a game because I can put on you know, podcasts or something, listen to those, just place a bunch of blocks, place a bunch of redstone dust, flick some levers and go, oh cool, it adds bits together. Neat. So that's been satisfying and totally different from anything I've done before. So I would say yeah. that I did better this week. Yeah, I thought it was extremely cool when I looked at it. I kind of wanted to do a write-up, but I, I'm going to need that book back to really understand what I'm writing about again. Uh-huh. Uh, for anybody else who feels lost, it's pretty normal. Uh, he, Nathan has gone too much into machine at this point, and he's become one with the machine. Uh, so if you see him running around with the axe, it's really just for Minecraft, and he it, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I, I thought it was really cool. Uh, just like that That's just a different flavor of side projects, right? Building it in a game meant to build things uh, without actually writing any code or sitting behind Vim that you generally do in first. Uh, Me and my coworkers yeah. had a good chat about Vim yesterday, and one of them proposed, like, we should get a Vim culture going at the company and we didn't but you're then legally supposed to put it on the website so people can know not to apply (laughs) i i I mean people complain about configuring vim with all its plugins but i would argue that it's at least as hard to configure pycharm half the time because pycharm which is what we currently use such a pain it just half the time it just goes i didn't want to use that config you'd set up before so i just changed it I'm like, why? I didn't, I didn't want you to. It knows better. It <laughs> yeah. Knows better. yeah. It's like, I saw you installed NVM six months ago. I'm now going to use a different version from your node version manager. I'm not going to tell you. Uh, just all of your builds will stop working. I'm like, oh, cool. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's like I've been doing. And this was all highly motivated by actually reading the book, which has been good because it's been really rainy. And I need something to do inside. Uh, and early on in the book, it says hardware and software are logically equivalent. And that was the first thing that blew my mind in a couple years. So like the last time I was really getting into those big, just like mind shifting, uh, pattern or ways of thinking was quite a while ago. So that's got me very enthusiastic about all of this stuff right now. So yeah, I'll be looking to do that. Over the week, I've got, again, another week off, so I'll probably spend a bit too much time building my ALU slice, and hopefully I'll have something to report back on. This is, okay, I'm, I've been, we talked about procrastination. This is something I need to get out here as like the thing I'm going to do, because I will be so embarrassed if I don't come back and say that I did this, because it's pathetic, and I've been putting this off for two years. Oh, man. Okay, okay. If the show ends now, this is why, guys. Nathan never came back. Never mind. I okay. have a palm tree that I've needed to repot for two years. And okay. I, I just need to do it. Like, I need to go out and either get some soil and repot it, or I need to take it to a place and say, will you repot this for me if I give you money? And... One of those two things has to happen, especially because this past week I was helping one of the devs on my team and she was like, oh, on the weekend I repotted some plants. I was like, oh man. She's like, it was so relaxing. I was like, oh God, just rubbing salt (laughs) in the wound. So I know I need to do it. I'm going to do it. That's my commitment. And we only speak facts in this episode, so I will do it. That is indeed a fact that we only speak facts. If I could explain the amount of pain that's in my heart right now of being like oh god i actually have to do this <laughs> for anybody who wants to see him experience that pain if you're listening to the podcast go check out the youtube version you can really see it on his face uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so that's your do better for this week you're gonna replant that. try to build a one bit slice of an alu and repot mm-hmm. my palm tree all right I'm, I'm looking forward to a blog post on end of dev tell your friends 
about it. Just... Which thing? The, the palm tree? The one bit thing, oh. not the palm tree. <laughs> I don't expect you to write a blog post about On it. On a dev blog, yeah. Uh, if you do, it's your personal website. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, I, I'm more looking forward to the one Yeah, bit. I could put it on nwcalvink.ca. Right now, it just links over to nwcalvink.dev. Yeah, yeah. But wherever you want, it's, it's the same thing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I guess my do better for this week. Hmm. Actually, I, I've been meaning to finish this book I got from the library. I only have ac- about nine days left that I need to return it. So that's going to be my do better. I'm going to... And I've already read it, read this book, but I, I really just wanted to read it again because I recently did a blog post about it. And I just... Yeah, for because I've read it, I don't have as much motivation, but I know there's a lot of good points in it that I need to finally take a note of before I return it to the library this time. Um, yeah, so that's going to be my do better uh, resolution for this week. To read that book and fit, make all my notes so I can finally, for once and all, return it and not have to recheck it out. Very cool. Yeah. It made me just think of the episode from Arthur where he's... Did you ever watch Arthur? It was a very North American thing, I assume. No, but I, the only thing I know from Arthur is the meme with his hand on wrist on the side. Where he's clenching his fist. And yeah. having fun isn't when you've got a library, got a library card. card. Yeah. yeah, yeah, from that library episode. I think it's that one because there's just a bunch of songs. But he gets a oh, brain gets hooked on Jekyll and Hyde, and he just keeps bringing the book back to the library and then checking it back out again. Uh, so that's what made me think of. Yeah. Uh. No, it's not that bad here. The library that's close to me has removed all of its late fines. Oh. So I'd just be a morally wrong person keeping it past my checkout date, but I wouldn't be penalized in any way that... I, how do I say it? I want to say like that matters in real-world objects, not morally. Yeah. Uh, You'll just be paying... I forgot. There's a word for it, but I can't remember. Yeah, you just be paying moral debts story of my life uh, but anyways uh thanks <laughs> is uh, uh yeah do you, would you do you have anything else to before we wrap this nope up? i said everything i needed to sounds good nathan will never say anything else from now on because he said everything he ever needed mm-hmm. to um thank you thank you everyone for listening um we hope you got some value out of it if you have any feedback reach out to us um, it's in the show notes. I'm not going to repeat it every episode. Come talk to us. We're lonely. Bye.